Alright, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a timer. And... There it is. No, I don't want to buy the advanced version. What do you get? All it says is unlock pro features, enable full screen and iconized modes, and open an unlimited number of windows. No, I'm good, thanks. Just start timer. Very good. Good job, timer app. Okay. Shall we start? Let's do it. Okay. Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Justin. We are the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides through this journey to video enlightenment. Yeah. We're, we're Sherpas or gurus or something. I don't know which is which. I guess a guru would be an enlightenment guide. Yeah, that's probably okay. better. All right. So in today's episode, we're going to celebrate, I suppose, uh, Storyboard oh, yeah. Media's sixth birthday, anniversary, whatever a Because this is has. coming out Yeah, because right this after, will come out. Right we're recording after. this in the past. <laughs> um, and this will come out on January 20th. Is that right? Is that what yep. I'm seeing there? All right. So um, we're going to celebrate that by kind of talking about our journey from two individual one-man band operations. Which started well beyond six years ago. Yes, yes. And kind of how we evolved into the video agency that we are today. Not really just telling our story, but hopefully giving, you know, listeners, whether they be, you know, one-man bands themselves or small production companies or even smaller one-house teams, our journey is a map for some of the decisions and some of the steps you may take along the way. Not yeah. saying we did everything right. In fact, at the end, I think we'll talk a little bit about things we might do differently. Like never but, partner at all. Right. Never have a business partner. It's just not worth whatever <laughs> uh, is there. Um, actually, it's probably been one of the best decisions. We've actually got people <laughs> asking us to guide them. There it is. So here we are. All right. Guiding away. Um, before we jump in. Let's open up our third eyes. Yes. Before, before we even open up our third eyes, I just want to welcome our new sponsor. We have a new sponsor this week. Uh, for any new listeners, you may not have yet figured out that we have a new sponsor every week. Every week. Um, that's just because our viewership is so low that... We can't keep a sponsor for more than one episode. That's the only reason. Or right? it's so effective. That could be it. We've got so many sponsorship requests coming in. Anyway. I can't, I can't tell which one it is, yeah, actually. It's, it's, it's fine either way. The checks usually bounce anyway. Um, so I'd like to welcome our new sponsor this week. Yes. <laughs> I get checks. <laughs> Most of them bounce. Um, don't have a business partner. Um, welcome to our new sponsor. Welcome to the Bumble. Really happy to have them along and uh, stick around for their uh, full ad later on. Uh, really excited to have them. Uh, feels like a very timely, um, I think they've got a cuffing season promotion going on, so it's a very timely sponsorship. Okay. I think they put a lot of thought into why they wanted to sponsor us during the winter. So okay. welcome to the Bumble is our new sponsor. That sounds remarkably close to another company. Like... Bumble? No, no, no. It's called Welcome to the Bumble. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it's it. not I called I thought you were Bumble. welcoming them to our podcast. No, I, I have I welcomed okay. Welcome to the Bumble. Okay. As I'm glad that's clear, though, because yes. I think okay. no, everybody that, that's, else was... That's good. Again, we don't write these pieces. These companies write these pieces, and they send us Welcome these Welcome to the so. Bumble. Welcome to the Bumble. Yeah, like the song. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Bumble mm -hmm. by Bums and Roses. Moving on. So, January 9th of 2020, mm -hmm. we turned six. Mm -hmm. 
So happy birthday to us. But we each started well before right. that. So let's talk a little bit about where we each were, because I think we both come at this from different perspectives, too. I was a completely freelance one-man band. Mm -hmm. You were actually the in-house video team. I wouldn't even call it an in-house video team. I volunteered to work a camera and got and, enrolled and, in. And thus became the in-house yeah. video yeah. team. Um, so, tell me, when, when was this that you started and, and what did that look like for you? So uh, I should know this better. So I had been in corporate sales for about six or seven years. Um, the bad economy of 2008 led to me losing my last corporate sales job mm -hmm. that I had uh, in late 2008. And so in 2009, while I was figuring out what I now wanted to do at 29 years old, what do I want to do? I just started getting into kind of creative stuff. So I had been selling payroll to small businesses, so I knew how to set up small businesses. So I, I used my network from my last job to meet new, basically home-based small businesses. Once I got them set up and registered and with a tax ID, oftentimes they would ask me to help them develop their product or their branding or whatever. It's a brilliant um, business plan because in 2009, a bunch of startups had a lot of extra money to invest in video. Yeah, I was nowhere near video at this point. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was sorry. nowhere near video at this point. So it was all in like product development and, you know, basic logos. I mean, I was teaching myself how to do this stuff. Yeah. And then one of my clients who I was helping them develop their product, they said, do you know how to edit video? I had played around with iMovie on my iMac like five or six times. I never really finished a product mm -hmm. project, but it was more billable hours. So I was like, Yes, I know how to edit. Mm -hmm. And they gave me some video that they had shot in their house on a handy cam. Wasn't it puppets? <laughs> it was a ventriloquist <laughs> act. Puppets. Yep. It was a ventriloquist. No, it was a legit ventriloquist act. Oh, was act. it? Okay. Yes. I mean, this guy was like trained and legit. And they wanted it to be part of this overall curriculum that they were creating. So uh, they gave me the footage and told me the script that they had tried to kind of keep to. And I tried to edit it together. And on like the third one, I was just like, I still I still have the visual memory. I was sitting at my computer editing this thing and I just had, it dawned on me that like, this is how my brain works. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause you have editing a long is, history in music. Yeah, I've spent a lot a of time in, in studios and, and as a musician and arranging songs and and developing rhythm and all those things that are, that are really great assets to have as an editor. Mm -hmm. But there was just something with how I kind of analyze things from a top level. That's just how my mind works. I realized that was perfect for editing. Mm -hmm. So it was just so easy to teach myself. And I think the timing was key also because YouTube was just there sure. so that I could actually look up how to use yeah, Final Cut Pro. Yeah, didn't that launch in like 2008? Yeah. I mean, it, it was all, if I had done it five years earlier, I probably would have had to take some courses or go to you school also wouldn't for have it had or something video like as an as a, right. a very accessible medium yeah, i probably i honestly at that point i probably would have gotten more into like logo design and copywriting because mm -hmm. um, at the same time i was doing some writing and editing of ads for radio um so oh, i was yeah. right so i was kind of flexing my creative muscles for the first time mm -hmm. in any kind of paid uh way well i guess with the exception of the band which is a pretty flexing of creative muscles mm -hmm. but um but visually and, and otherwise, it was kind of my first foray into that. So I totally slipped into it. And then it was just like, 
accidentally this is what I'm supposed to be doing and that's when I really doubled down on it and but completely self-taught so I totally lied my way into editing professionally and then of course once I started editing I didn't want to be editing other people's footage anymore so I literally started with one of those flip cameras and oh, really? just had to start shooting something and I just went around. I would go down to like the dam at Jordan Lake and shoot like footage of the water coming through the dam. I would just go out because again, I was largely unemployed, mm -hmm. you know, project work. So I would just spend all my time going around locally and shooting whatever I could and just editing it together for myself mm -hmm. just to learn Practice, how to do that. Yeah. And, you know, friends, um, you know, I did a video, like the first real big piece that I did was kind of documenting the. I guess 2009 run walk for autism oh, yeah. um, for one of the teams that, that I've been affiliated for with for a long time. Uh, and that was the first time I put together like a storyline and multiple scenes and anything like that. And I just, I just had to know more about it. And, and I guess, uh, and then I started doing some slightly more professional projects and that's and about a year later is when then I was brought into the company you were working for mm -hmm. uh, at the time, which again, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say totally lucky, but but I'd been doing work on the radio station stuff for my uncle, and he came in to advise one of his old bosses, and that was the company that you were working for yep. at the time. So my uncle brought me in to up the video content for the training program that he was consulting on, and that's where you were the entire in-house video team. Mm -hmm. So I had a year up on you, and I was brought in as this, like, you know, outside producer director to like manage the whole thing. And I'm going in, you know, knees quaking, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and then there's this young guy and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I can, I can dominate him. I had, so my turn, I'll yeah. go. I too was in corporate sales, uh, managing a bunch of interns all over the country. Very, very fun job, uh, but very cyclical being internships yeah so in the in the winter so every year we had to hire 600 salespeople from all over the country and uh in the fall was kind of our downtime and the idea came up we should make a recruiting video to help us get more or make recruiting a lot easier uh me and a couple of people raised their hands for whatever reason i either took the lead on that project or or people stopped just having any sort of interest in it or right. or I drove them away, I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, lost where I was. You volunteered, <laughs> so did other people. Yeah. You dominated so, them. So we put together, uh, I mean, there was really no plan, right? There's, I, I had no like script that I started with or, or shot list or anything. I just went to campus, started shooting stuff. Mm -hmm. Then one day we wrote a script and recorded that. After and, you shot a bunch of stuff. Yep. Yep. And had this pile of footage, which sucks to comb through and try and figure out what you're doing. But I had a pile of footage, uh, a couple different versions of the VO, and we had to put this video together. Uh, it it actually turned out to be really, really a, a really good video for 2011 or whatever it was. And they put you through training, right? Didn't they put you through Premiere Pro training or certification or something? I did go to Atlanta for like a week, yeah, to, to learn soft or the editing software. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, that was about all the training I had. I had no camera experience. So it ended up doing pretty well. It was a very popular video, and especially when video wasn't being used in business a lot, mm -hmm. it got a lot of traction. I used an RJD2 song illegally for, oh, yeah. for the, uh, you know, the, the music in the background, which was a great song, but also very illegal. And they YouTube, usually are. <laughs> That's why they're so expensive to yeah. use. Uh, and YouTube didn't have the robots that they do now, and so they couldn't. They didn't kick me off, or I didn't get the company in trouble. Luckily, we took it down. Oh, that's good. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But luckily, we took you know we took it down a couple of years later. One because the quality wasn't as great as where it had gotten to, but uh, two we could have gotten sued. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's I think would have been a huge, huge mistake. I probably wouldn't be in video still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we got well, sued. Well, yeah. If, I mean, you wouldn't have gotten sued. They would have just. You know, taking cease it down, desist, whatever or it's cease called. and desist, or whatever, and you would have learned your lesson, yeah, a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. probably. Um, actually, you going to the <laughs> personal moment, you going to the the getting the Premier Pro certification. Um, I was in one of the first classes of Final Cut Pro Ten um, Apple certification, and I had to drive out to it was either I think it was Winston Salem to actually take the final certification course. And because it's e-learning, I knew as soon as I was done with the test that I'd passed the test. Mm -hmm. So while I didn't get my actual certificate from Apple until like two weeks later, I was at that moment Apple certified professional in Final mm -hmm. Cut Pro 10. And Apple was on a huge upswing yes. now because the iPhone just came out. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that was huge. I remember it was raining terribly and it was like December. Uh, and it was just this miserable drive in the night back from Winston-Salem having passed the certification exam. And here's the personal moment is I called my dad to tell him, and it's one of the three times I can remember that he told me he was proud of me. Wow. Yeah. And, like, that like that made, like I hadn't thought That's about that. That's why you're that, such an asshole. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. That's why. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, it was funny. Like, like, to me, it was just something I wanted to do, and I wanted to prove to myself that, that I knew the craft, right, and, and try to get that kind of, like, you know, validation right. that even though I've taught myself and even though I haven't gone to film school and all these things, like, I know enough about the technical aspects of this to be considered by Apple a certified professional in this mm -hmm. software. And then it just happened to be one of those moments where my dad's like, I got to tell you, I'm proud of you. And, the, like, that's just, wow, okay, that's a bonus. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I won't, I'll, I'll save the other two times for some other podcast episode, <laughs> okay. so stay tuned. All right, let's, um, let's move that. along here. We're, so we joined forces. Yeah. So we had we had worked on, um, I had come in as a freelancer basically for your company. We had worked together. We made what, like 38 videos in like two months, mm -hmm. something like that. And then we kind of both wrote, went, shot, edited, motion graphics, yes. everything Cast, that you could throw at it. Uh, yeah, we learned what a director needed to do <laughs> the day after the first day on set. Yes. For the, <laughs> that was, oh my God. We had a three-day shoot. Rented out a restaurant. <laughs> oh <laughs> Just my threw god. away money. What a, what a lesson! Oh that my was. god. Um, yeah, every Didn't shoot use an actor. needs a director. Every we, we used a non-actor employee. Um, she did as good a job as she could. Yeah. We went into the shoot. I, I guess as the three of us, you, me, and and the actor, like we we had done some rehearsals and we had kind of figured it out, but like nobody was going to direct. And so then there's like. <gasps> your bosses the client funny little tidbit yeah uh nick i think no michael was the guy who was on set with us he was the second camera okay 
with Drew. Uh, he ended up kissing Lindsay Lohan in Eastbound and Down wow. a couple years later. All right. <laughs> so that's our, maybe our claim to fame there. All right. There we go. <laughs> our second camera kissed Lindsay Lohan in Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Well, there we go. That should get us some business. How do we leverage yeah. <laughs> that into getting us some, some of that sweet Lindsay Lohan business? Um, so, yeah, and then and then none of us directed, and so the first day went terribly. Uh, and, and we had, yeah, we had clients butting in, saying, do this, do this, yeah, and talk tr- like this. Yeah, try that. That's not good. And, I mean, I think we stayed at the restaurant for, like, four more hours. Mm-hmm just running lines the next day. I mean, I just kind of took the director role. I was like, fine, I'll do this. But I remember like taping the lines <laughs> to my forehead. <laughs> On your glasses. So that she could, as so I could be her scene partner. And her eye line. And yeah. I could be in her eye line and she could just kind of have the script there. Cause she didn't, it was kind of like a teleprompter. Yeah. Like, and like, I mean, it's just, a, so I guess the lesson there is like, fake it till you make it. Um, yeah. You know, you, you're presented with a problem, you know, on set or whatever, like just find a solution. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like the typical solution, but that just is find what a filmmaking way to get it is, done. is problem solving yeah. all all day long. Well, and even, even uh, was it Vincent LaFerre said that they went to do some big shoot for something and they had this shot all scouted and, and storyboarded and, and everything. And they got there and there were like two food trucks on either edge of the shot. And so they just had to like, <laughs> punch in the shot or they ended up leaving the food trucks in or something but like you know you you can plan all you want but then Mm -hmm. once you get there you're still gonna have problems come up um so yeah so we had done that which is just a a ton of work to do in two months monster video uh monster video was like like eight minutes oh my god no that thing was like 15 or 17 minutes long and then there were like six versions of it in the days when you had to render that stuff because there were with objections they were out uh without objections there that was was, right yes that was it was a sales training video that was just a beast and what better way for both i felt so confident in my edit i i became a better editor over those two months just with the volume of work we had to do than i had even though I was certified by Apple than I had in like the two years prior. I'm not really sure what I did during those two months. I felt like I just kind of like- produced. <laughs> That's right. You were a producer. If you don't know what you're doing, you're probably a producer. Yeah, or associate producer, <laughs> I suppose. So I think I came back the next year. You had started doing some more of your own independent stuff. Mm-hmm. You had done that documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, with the- The guy where the government was attacking Yeah, him. the guy being- I'll leave the names out. Yeah. Followed by the government, which is just a really audibly attacked, fascinating piece. Yeah, yeah, and like fire trucks and helicopters showed up while you were filming one of the interviews while he was talking about like being fire surveilled. trucks being yeah yes and yeah it was it was weird yeah it it was you did I, you did a fantastic job with what you were given I had to get out of there though I was getting a little freaked out a little too close to the project and mm. too many mushrooms. <laughs> And yeah, you know, we we kind of went on our, our own merry ways doing more of our own stuff. And then we would start bringing each other in to kind of be the second person for our own productions. Mm-hmm. So even the stuff that you brought me back into with where you were working, it was more, you were basically producing and directing your stuff. And I was coming in as basically a second camera mm-hmm. or just second set of hands. I was... I was back and forth though. It wasn't just you coming to yeah, me. Yeah, and, and then I would bring you in for basically being a second person why did you call me in like tell me about so i i think 
I think the main thing is as as you grow, as I grew my skill set, and I think this happens to anyone who's kind of early on, any videographer or any kind of one-man band scenario, the more you learn you, and Ira Glass has this great reading of a piece called The Gap, I think it is, that's like the gap between your creative vision and your technical ability increases. So you start to, once you start to learn your craft, you start to want to do more stuff. You start to see, I want shallow depth of field on this shot. And you never knew what shallow depth of field was before. Right. You didn't and, even know how to say it. I, you, I want the fuzzy yeah, stuff. I, I want it out of focus behind them. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I shit you not, I literally did an interview for the Autism Society of North Carolina on a video where I went in and keyframed in a Gaussian blur oh, behind God. the interview subject mm -hmm. so that I could get that because I was shooting on a Handycam. Right, that had everything's no, in focus. That just has an infinite focus, basically. Yeah. And, and that was when I was learning, oh, the stuff in the background should be out of focus so that you can draw more attention to the viewer. Mm. And so I literally went in and like created this mask <sighs> around the subject put the Gaussian blur on the background. And then I went through those and all of those clips and just kind of keyframed, you know, I put like a feathered edge on it. So it had a little bit of wiggle room, but you know, then eventually I learned what kind of camera would give me that and how to use that camera. Enter DSLR. Yes. Enter DSLR. But then all of a sudden that just means that you're thinking about more things on set. Uh, a lot of it was still very doc style type stuff. Right, we're so, doing a lot of talking heads. A lot of talking heads. Multiple subjects. You're, you're going to edit this thing together. It's not like you can pass it off to someone else. You know what the client wants to get out of it. You know who you get to speak to. You've got you've to set it up so that it looks good. You've got to set it up so that it sounds good. You've got to hit record. On both cameras. On, on both cameras, on the audio recorder. And then you have to be present enough to sit there and conduct the interview not worrying about whether the battery went out on a light. Or monitoring sound. Or monitoring sound. Or if one of the, at that time, you could only record for like 12 minutes. Right. Right? And you're not sure yet. And and that's just too much. When, when you want to do work of a certain quality, that's just too much for one person to handle. Mm -hmm. And that was, and I think I probably just through my stubbornness, I probably went through two or three too many projects where I was still trying to do it all by myself, probably still trying to convince myself that I belonged in this space. Mm -hmm. But you just get to a point, and if you want to keep getting better, you've got to bring in people, one, to help you, and two, eventually you start bringing in people who are better than you right. at certain technical aspects, and that's how you start creating What am I better work. at than you, Ben? I'd like to everyone You to are <laughs> better at talking to people. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna be real. You you are you are better at well. I already I already threw the producer uh, burn at you. Um, burn. You're better at talking to people. That's the first thing. So um, you can just more willing to. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're you're more willing to start talking to someone. Once I get started, I don't stop. I think that probably brings us to new burn. <clears throat> mm hmm. We were shooting one of my clients. It was a, it was one. It ended up being the hottest day of the year, which and we did have some outside shooting, not just some outside shooting, but we had some like in a trailer trailer outside, shooting yeah. outside shooting. It was one of my projects. I brought you in because it was the biggest project I'd ever done, and I needed. I probably if we were to do it today, we probably would have had a crew of six people. What were you charging for that shoot? I, you know, I don't. I honestly don't remember. Um, it was, so like it, 2, was it was or a one-day shoot. 
it was a two, two and a half minute single deliverable. And I don't know, somewhere between 1800 and 3600 bucks. Okay. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to want to look it up and actually go back and figure it out. But like, I mean, it, you know, it was what seemed like a lot at the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, enough to pay you something. Mm-hmm. Um, we drove in your Jeep mm-hmm. because it had more room than whatever I had. I don't think time. you had a car. I'm, I, I think by then I had a car. Okay. When we first started working together, I didn't own a car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I paid for your gas and I paid you for the day, mm-hmm. basically. I got a speeding ticket on the way home. <laughs> you did. I did not pay for that. But um, <laughs> that was, but that drive on the way home when you got the speeding ticket was then when you asked me, uh, you said, can I buy you dinner and pick your brain because I'm ready to leave the company and ready to go out on my own? And I believe my immediate response was, no, you may not, but you can buy me dinner and we can talk about partnering if you're interested in that. That's how I recall the story anyway, because I was just done being the one man band at that point. I needed I needed help. I mm-hmm. needed, And so I didn't want one more competition out there because mm-hmm. we were basically at the same level. And in the same market at that point, same networks, kind of same networks, like, you know, but that wasn't even really my first thought. My first thought was just, you know, we work well together and you can't keep going alone. I can't do this anymore on my own. So, yeah, because I had I had honestly I had been interviewing at places locally. So this was 2013, maybe like summer 2013. Yeah. And so then over the next six months. We started. I think. I think this is the key. Yeah, I think if for anybody who wants to partner up with someone and start like a company, a production company, I think what we did was one of the best things that we did. Mm-hmm. We spent, yeah, we spent from July through December meeting. What was the name of that restaurant in Briar Creek? I don't remember. It was like a hot dog restaurant in Briar. Right, Creek. We ate a lot of hot dogs. And we would, just because I was in Morrisville and you were in Durham, mm-hmm. and it was cut, Briar Creek was kind of in between. Fire dogs? Fireworst? Fireworst. Fireworst. That's what it was. It was good. Fireworst. It was great. Uh, it's since closed we were down, We there like three nights a week. But like, we would go there three nights a week because you still had the job. Yep. And we spent those six months figuring out what we wanted to be as a company. Uh, certainly the name of the company was a part of that. I think I was at a family reunion in Seattle when Storyboard first came, you know, came up, and and but we were which we um, still want to change the name of this company to to this day. Yeah, and every time we mention it to anyone outside of this room, they're like, "Don't do that. That would be stupid." But I think that six months that we spent three days a week figuring out what we wanted to be. I mean, I think our first copy on our first website was something like, "We're not videographers." were crafters of stories yeah, or something so that like that. So, like, something that if you went to a website today and saw that, you'd, you'd like roll your eyes. And yeah. Like, but like but at that time. The word story was, was still, really becoming a big part of marketing. Yes, that was before telling stories became such a throwaway mm-hmm. um, term for, for marketing and, and for businesses. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, it was our, it was our, it was our corporate identity. It was the kind of clients we wanted to go after, the kind of work we wanted to do. And, and while we certainly had to just take what we could get at the mm-hmm. beginning, we still always had that, that kind of aspirational feel 
for the kind of work we wanted to be doing and 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 what it was it was almost more what we didn't want to be mm-hmm. than what we did want to be but i i think i think that served us well over time and kind of laid a foundation for what has been kind of our irreverent uh, kind of approach to an on almost contrarian approach mm-hmm. uh, to a lot of stuff uh, ever since. Um, so then I think we launched we like launched January. We, we were officially accompanied January 9th, 2014. Yep. Thank God we're in the 20 teens now. We're, we're up from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the 20 teens, only 22 minutes later. Um, okay. And uh, at this point, Oh, we actually had our first client before we were a company. Yeah, we had one handed to us. Yeah, we had one handed to us because he was going to work for a bigger agency. Mm-hmm. And he had been a one-man band. He a sold a successful one-man band. He sold his company. He was going to work for a local agency. And I guess just in the course of conversation, you told him what we were doing. And he's like, great, I have a project that I need to get finished. You guys yeah. want to finish it. And it was like eight grand. It was more money than either one of us had I ever was, seen I couldn't for a believe it. Yeah. Um, so we did that. We got paid like December 23rd 29th. or 29th yeah. or something. And we hadn't registered the business yet. I because got paid, you were so I got still, taxed on it. You got paid. You got taxed. You cut me. Like we went to the bank together. Mm-hmm. You cashed it. You handed me half of it in cash. Uh, you got taxed on it. And then by January 9th, we had our uh, LLC organized and, and our tax ID and all that stuff. So that's kind of what we consider our... And then I want to say like around mid-January, I left the company yep. that I was smart, working for. Smart move because I think by the end of that month, you were or middle of that month, whatever it was, you were then fully vested in the IRA. Yeah. Um, and so you stuck it out until like that day and then the but next day was like... we needed that time too. Like, yeah, we did. We did. But yeah, being fully vested was helpful. I had taken those, you know, two weeks or whatever it was to turn my second bedroom of my apartment mm-hmm. from a throw everything in here room into actually our first office. Mm-hmm. We started working together and we had our first client right away, right away. Not, not the one that we were talking right, about, not, not the December one, but we did something for an apartment complex. It was our first video. It was, it was like 4,200 bucks. Yeah. I remember sliding that across the table. Yeah, they'll never take this. Yeah, they're like, no way they're going to take And she's like, well, she's like, yeah, well that's than I expected, good. but I think we have room in the budget. Yeah. And I remember like that being the best feeling. I just made $4,200. That's incredible. For something I've taught myself. Yeah. And something I found that I love doing. Yeah. Yeah. Very rewarding. Yeah. And I think it's real easy to, to lose that feeling. Well, I got it yesterday. I got it yesterday, too. (laughs) But it's been a while. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we've actually talked about it for a couple years is we don't do a very good job celebrating the wins because they just feel expected. But, like, you're absolutely right. That feeling, uh, our first closed deal was, you know, a feeling that we should feel every time we close something Mm -hmm. or deliver something or whatever. And And, and we don't do And it's hard to do. We'll get, like, five-figure contracts and be like... All right, let's get started. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, and, and so much of it is all the work you do up to the sale. And then you finally, and, and all the negotiating and everything, and you finally close the deal. And, and it's like you want to take a break, breathe. Yeah. Like you won. You're done. You did it. But you're not done. You're just starting. Just starting. Now I have to do the thing. Um, 
and that's and that's just I think that's something that everybody deals with mm-hmm. uh, in this space, and and I don't think it will go away. So one, if you're listening and you feel that uh, that kind of like yes, we got it. Oh crap, now we have to do it. You're not the only ones feeling that way. If you're just as excited to get started on the project after long negotiations and whatever, then please call us and tell us how you manufacture that feeling. Because no, I'd love to. <laughs> I think, I mean, once we actually sit down and we, we build the plan, oh, and we get past timelines absolutely. and we start to, that, that is really exciting for every yeah. project we do. Yeah. Even the ones that are low paying or, or just aren't like a perfect prospect for us or whatever, when we jump in, I do get excited because the whole process of creating is really, really rewarding. So, so how did we distribute our workload when it was you and me? You were the the foundation of this company. I think is built on your ability to edit and my ability to talk. Your ability to sell, and uh, and you're a really good salesperson too. But I would open a lot of doors and get a lot of conversations going. Right. That and I then, would never. Have. And then the dynamic that we had together in the room, which is polar opposites uh, a lot of times. Compliments. <laughs> uh, would, would work really well, and we would just come at problems, in air quotes, uh, differently. And I think one of, the, one of the first things we learned working together is the two of us would sit in a meeting. We'd hear the same words come out of a prospect's mouth, and we would interpret them differently, mm-hmm. which was great. Right. Because then we would have to discuss what do we really think they meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something that I had never encountered trying to sell someone on my own. Yeah. Or even if you're in just the discovery phases, like you hear them say something. And if you've got two people in there, you have the opportunity to have two different interpretations. Then you get to discuss and either ask clarifying questions, but it just gets you to like capital T truth quicker. I think, I think in terms of division of labor, take a look at every different part of the process. I would start it and you would finish it. Yeah. Whether it was a script, I would take a pass well, and, and I you think would that's, sweeten it. I think one of the mistakes we made, I know we're kind of planning to to have this section later, but I think one of the mistakes we made was the way I remember it is that you would sell a project, right? You would identify an opportunity, close the project, and then we'd work together through pre-production and production. Mm-hmm. And then once I started <clears throat> editing something, I'd you would then selling. start go selling for the next one. Yep. And so I think the fundamental flaw in that business model is go out, stop selling. get a project, <laughs> stop selling while you're doing the project, finish the project, and then start selling again. But So for two people, we were at capacity, though. Anytime we had a project, yes. we were at capacity pretty yeah. much. I mean, having two projects, three projects at any given time, that was impossible. Yeah. I mean, but we, were, we were all, like, we were working long days. I remember... Even in the summer, I went home when it was dark out. Yeah, and well, and I remember the first time the first time you actually brought it up, like I gotta stop working so late. I was like, there's no reason, or I, you know, it was something like, you know, Jen's been giving me a hard time for for working so much, mm-hmm. or you know, I gotta spend more time with my wife, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it was. And, like it had just never occurred to us to put any boundaries on yeah. our time. Yeah, and especially for me because it's my apartment, right? And so it's the room that I had used as a freelance editor. And like that was just where I did my work, and when I was done, I could just lumber onto the couch and turn on the TV. And or you could out. go in there at nine o'clock at night, and a, an idea hit you, yes. and you'd go in yeah. and do it. But but like the first time you brought it up, the easy and obvious solution was, well, then let's just stop working, you know, between five and six. Mm-hmm. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll pick up. What's the point? And and I mean, yeah. that's something that has really stuck with us. 
We've done a really good job constraining the time and setting those boundaries. Yeah. I mean, we so rarely work on weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the advantage of being a freelancer or being a small agency where you're in charge is you get to set those rules, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I'm not trying to build something that we then sell the agency mm-hmm. in like three years. I'm trying to build something that is self-sustaining and grows and brings in great people who get better at their jobs and gives me enough money to live my life. But in that time, I want to be able to live my life the way that I want to live it. You want to be able to spend time with your wife, your kids. You know, we're pretty good about taking vacations. I mean, that's just because that's what we've decided this business is. And I think when we got to that capacity, we realized that we needed to start bringing in some freelancers. Okay. Is it time for a sponsor break? I think it's time for the sponsor uh, we've kind of teased that we're going into adding freelancers. That's kind of yeah. the next phase of this. But why don't we hear from our sponsor first? Welcome to the Bumble, the world's largest network of Bumble profile consultants. Our collection of talented Bumble experts can help you pick the right profile picks. No more poses with a fish or other dead animal. Craft opening lines guaranteed to get a response. No more pancakes or waffles and are also available for full-time employment doing content writing, SEO strategy, and resume editing. Welcome to the Bumble. Hire us and bring them to their knees. Knees. Is that a... Spot's not done yet. Don't interrupt the spot. Contact your local rep now and ask them about our cuffing season promotion. In the triangle, that's Tucker Gregg. Welcome to the Bumble. Tucker's fantastic. Tucker Tucker knows more about Top Bumble than anyone notch. else I know. He Top is the, and also <clears throat> available for content writing, SEO strategy, and resume editing. Uh, as are the entire network of Bumble consultants. Is that now? Is that for Bumble Biz as well? Um, uh, you know what? That's a great question. I think if you go to their website, which is welcome to the Bumble Biz. Mm-hmm. You can learn all about which parts of Bumble. Okay. I think it's also worth noting that being that the local rep is a man, you might get different results from him if you're a woman looking to kind of optimize her like own. Like a date? You might Bumble get a date? Pro, you might get a date and you know what? Just bypass the he Bumble thing altogether. He might just be doing it to bypass the Bumble thing. Yep. Smart guy. What a smart guy. I wonder if that violates their terms and conditions. Because they are a huge national... Big network. Yeah, big... Ne- it's it's kind of like Fiverr. <clears throat> yeah. Just for Bumble. Yeah. Bumble optimization. Yes. Yeah. Bumble optimization. I um, I haven't used the service. Uh-huh. You're um, not on Bumble. I'm not on Bumble. I think it's... You're an old school. You're MySpace dater, aren't you? You know what? I was in this weird gap where I didn't even get MySpace. Like, I was just too old for MySpace and, like, too, yeah, too old for everything. Um, I don't know. I, I got my eyes on Bumble, maybe uh, maybe in 2020 here. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. Might be a New Year's resolution. Um, I'm not sure the triangle's ready for that, but we shall see, I suppose. Uh, yes, so uh, welcome to our, our new sponsor. Welcome to the Bumble. Happy to have you on board. Hope this is a long-lasting relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you don't find often on Bumble. No, it's not what a lot of people are looking for. <laughs> no. So who knows? Maybe this becomes a one-night stand. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. So uh, I suppose phase two of storyboard media then would be the storyboard media where we start bringing in freelancers. Yeah. 
Holden, I believe, was the first freelancer we ever right? brought in. That's how I recall it. Yeah, because we were we were at another agency at a, either networking or, yep. or something, and we met an editor from a different agency who said, hey, one of our editors is leaving. Mm-hmm. Do you guys need some help? And, and, and it hadn't even occurred to us. I think maybe it had occurred to us. Well, yeah, we had gone to a lot of freelancer <coughs> and film group meetups and stuff. That's true. But we had never... Which we could do an entire episode on how to navigate those. And so we did bring in freelancers for production. Like Jabari came out. That's true. I don't know. what Had we? I could have sworn Holden was the first... He's certainly the first freelance editor. You pay all the... Or you process all the invoices, so you probably yeah, have a better that idea. Was a long time ago when I'm old. Um... Uh, yeah, uh, maybe we had for production. I, my, my, but we were probably a year and a half in before we really hired anybody. Yeah, I, that that feels about right. And 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 maybe I remember because I was doing all the editing, and this was us bringing in someone else who's going to edit. Yeah, and he's actually a better motion graphics guy than he is an editor. I mean, mm-hmm. He's a very well qualified editor sure. too. But like, you know, for us, it wasn't even about motion graphics at that time because that wasn't something that was in either your skill set or mine. Right, and. That's why I think that relationship was so great is because he not only took some of the stuff that were that where we were exceeding capacity and took some of that editing work mm-hmm. away, he also opened us up to now we've got the skill set mm-hmm. within our organization to do motion graphics. And that's good that's one graphics. of the the benefits of working collaborating yep. is now your so we never positioned ourselves as freelancers once the business was started. Right. So, but our but now our business had new quality or new um, features or what do you want to call it? Like we can skill do sets. <clears throat> skill sets, yeah. whatever we can. So that when we got a call, <clears throat> excuse me, from a, a pretty big international company to go shoot in Chicago and then create, you know, all these motion graphics, we're like, we can do that. Sure, sure. Yeah, we got a guy. I mean, yes, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and I think that was, I mean, that was almost like an evolutionary leap, if you want to put it that way, is is now- We were in, in the stone in, age. Instead of instead of just being two guys who knew how to like write, shoot, and edit, we were two guys who had the capabilities with the other people that we worked with to write, shoot, edit, MoGraph. And now we could bid on different yes. bigger projects yeah. that in, had a lot more involved. And I think that's part of the, I think that's part of the struggle to me, that lines up with, you know, how do we, and I think we still struggle with this sometimes, how do we, because we started it and because we are essentially the faces of this company, how do we separate out what storyboard media is from who Justin and Ben are? Mm-hmm. Because, because we are the sum of, I mean, we're greater than the sum of you, me, Anthony, David, and all. All, all the people the we work with, forty plus freelancers that we work with through strategy, writing, on set, mm-hmm. post, you know, editing, motion graphics, audio, whatever. Mm-hmm. We are greater than even the sum of those parts, but that's what storyboard media is. And because it just started with the two of us, sometimes it is hard to. I think they're kind of the two sides of the same coin. It's like it's hard to separate storyboard media from Justin and Ben. But it's also storyboard media is what it is because of all the other very talented yeah. people 
And this is not just blowing smoke up their asses. I mean, some of them aren't that talented. But, they can just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes it's a capacity thing. Yeah. And so you find someone who's, you know, good enough to meet a standard that, that the storyboard name goes on. And they don't necessarily need to be better than you at certain things. But they are certainly talented enough to meet that standard that you and I then put on it to stamp the storyboard. Well, we still haven't found it. a freelancer who can do what you can do in terms of finishing a project. Well, that's true. You know what true. I'm saying? Like, but, but we find people to help us out to get to that point. Yes. And, and we do really good work still because of that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's for, for, you know, I don't know if we want to tag these, like, you know, moments to apply for yourself, but if you're listening and you do work by yourself a lot, or if you even if you have, like, you know, if it is just a Justin and Ben kind of situation, there's just two of you, my God, like, just just start introducing yourself to freelancers. It will open up so many opportunities mm-hmm. and just open up your thinking about what your capabilities are. And that's how this whole industry works. I mean, I don't think any any client really has the expectation that, like, everybody who's working on a project is a full-time employee of your company. Yeah. I mean, this entire age, this entire industry works on independent contractor yeah. relationships, yep. even all the way up to the Hollywood level, mm-hmm. right? Very few of these people are employed I think it's by, most analogous to construction, like, like yeah. ho- home construction, maybe not, uh, you know, commercial real estate or anything, mm-hmm. but my dad was a general contractor, and so he was the producer. He designed, you know, kind of the general concept and, or even hired designers and then he'd hire roofers and hire flooring and, and based on relationships and their quality of work. Yeah. That's how he decided to hire people. And yeah. And I think that's largely how we do it. Too. Right. And I think it's worth noting too, that, that we more than tripled our revenue from our first year and our second year. Uh, yeah. Year one was, year one was oof. tough. <laughs> year one was, should tough. we just say it? Should we? It was sixty-five grand. We wasn't made sixty-five thousand dollars in our first year. That's not, for two not, of us. Not profit, and that's top, not profit. Top line. That's total revenue. Yep. And I will never forget, and we should never forget that weird drive that we did, like down ninety-eight, like around <laughs> Falls Lake, where that we, winter we it was winter. It was just before Christmas. Neither of us had any money to buy any Christmas presents for our family. <laughs> We were so... Did I have a, a, a kid on the way at that point? I don't think it was that... Yet. I don't think it was that year. No. It was no. the following year, I yeah. think. Um, but my God, just... I mean, we were so <clears throat> far gone. We just lost... Like, we were just laughing hysterically. And I say hysterically. Like, we were just laughing about the scenario. Like, we had just, like, <laughs> transitioned from, from well-adjusted to broke and broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then we started using freelancers in our second year and tripled our revenue. And we were, we, we did like, I think it was like $205,000 our second year, Yeah, which is much more manageable. Um, and it's because we start, right? Because you only have so much capacity. We were not busy all of our first year, no. right? $65,000 in revenue wasn't our capacity. We also learned how to charge more. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's an entire episode too, is how do you charge? We could do almost two parts to that episode. One, as a video professional, how do you charge? 
right? How do you price? How do you win contracts? And like, as a client, what should you expect? Hmm. What are the costs that go mm-hmm. into it? But I, I, you know, but that put us at a point then where we had people to help us with the technical capacity, but we were also having the volume of projects at the same time that were really hard to manage. So we had to bring on a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, our first employee. We 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 knew we needed someone that uh, they didn't necessarily need to have any experience. We looked for a long time to hire out of any of the local agencies no. who had project managers. But we just knew that we needed a. Well, and I think that's the the first point that needs to be said is like we knew that our first time, first full-time employee was going to be someone who can manage the projects. Right keep us organized, keep us... And manage communication with the client. Yes. And and basically be there, one, to make sure that nothing fell through the cracks because things were starting to fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Put some systems in place to make sure mm-hmm. that everyone was on the same page. Make sure the contractors, because we had more and more of them, were doing what they were supposed to do on the timelines they were supposed mm-hmm. to. And also coordinate that communication with clients, streamlining revisions and back and forth and, and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, so project manager was that and first role. I think we found the best, the best person that we possibly could have. Absolutely. And that was the second person we found because the first person we offered the job to accepted it. Oh, yeah, that was Je- uh, Beheim's niece or something, no, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Oh. This was, and I don't know that I wanted to use names here, but this was someone who had been helping us on set with some camera work. Mm-hmm. Um, and some light editing and um, was working at a small production company part-time and we offered her a full-time job as our project manager. We offered her the job in person. We sent her an offer letter. Was I there? Yes. She accepted and then when she went to go give her notice, they gave her a sweet deal and then she called back and declined the job. That's right. Who was that? Someone's friend. I'm sure it was. <laughs> we were working out of the frontier. Mm-hmm. And someone who worked in and around the frontier had a friend. <laughs> you have no recollection of this at all? I remember the story. I remember how that, that played out. I can't remember who it was. She now has her own production company. Hmm. I don't even remember her last name now. I just remember her Instagram handle. She has oh, yeah. her own. Oh, that's right. That's right. You saw it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But she was she was a production person. She was a production person, but she was a smart person. She was organized. She, you know, great energy. I mean, those early hiring decisions are so much about fit. Can you work Who's together? Who's someone that we want to sit <clears throat> at? And at that point, working out of the frontier, it was <clears throat> who do we want to be sitting around the table with mm-hmm. um, day in and day out? Yeah. And uh, she seemed to fit that. And But I think going back to your point, you're absolutely right. We lucked out because then we had to post the position. And from his cover letter, I mean, he basically had us. But, I mean, Hamed was the absolute perfect choice for us at that time. What – what do we look for? Talk about what we look for in an employee. Um, well, we, like we've talked about, I think it's someone who's better than us at whatever it is we want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone who is probably pretty well organized. In terms of organization, at least organized in their thoughts. And the best way that we know how to 
to kind of test that is with writing. Mm -hmm. We always, and, and this comes from Jason Fried and, <clears throat> and David Hanemeyer Hansen uh, and Rework, um, always hire the better writer. Someone who knows how to write well, someone who can write well, knows how to organize their thoughts mm -hmm. well. And then it's got to be someone that, uh, so it's someone who's better than us at, at whatever it is we're hiring them for. Someone who is organized, someone who writes well, and then someone who you're going to get along with. Mm -hmm. So much of it, especially with a company this size. There are four of us here in the office full time. And I think it extends to freelancers too. You've got to like working with the people that, and 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 maybe there are parts about the person that you don't like, and, and that's fine. Sure. You don't have a social relationship with them, but you've got to like working with them. And so if there's something about their working style that, that is really attractive to you, those are the people you want to be working with, whether they're full-time employees, interns, or contractors. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about interns yet. Mm-mm. We had several interns. Our we first, haven't in a while. Our first intern was probably the most unlikely candidate. Yes. She was still in high school. But had already taken creative cloud, cloud or, or courses. No, yeah. I don't know if it was certifications, but like she was, and so this was something that wasn't even available when I right. went to school. But um, she was so determined to be in the media world somehow. She knew that this wasn't in. I'm going to... And her mother was in our network. Mm -hmm. And she said, you guys need to hire my daughter as an intern. And we're like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. And she came in an interview. She like left school. She's like scraggly little like elbows and knees kind of girl. Yeah. And, and she Hilarious. comes in and, and she just... She just wowed us. She I couldn't mean, hang she was, with us, which was like surprising. That was such a big thing. And she, and she got real comfortable real fast yeah. with just how she could. I mean, one of the greatest things that she does when we would get off topic, which never happens anymore. Not anymore, anymore. I know. Um, when we would get off topic, she would just yeah. guys, guys twice. Guys. And, and, and that just became like a Pavlovian response. And, <laughs> and you know, she would shake us out of whatever bullshit we were talking about. And, um but she was great. She was really well-talented. I do think that we probably overutilized her because she was the first person that we had like working in our office, yeah. air quotes around office, because we were in co-working at that time. Um, we probably used her more as like an employee mm -hmm. than an intern. Um, there was very little training going on. Right. And I think that's something about an internship that a lot of that a lot of new companies get wrong is interns aren't free labor or cheap labor. Right. You need to commit just as much time to growing them and training them and working with them as as they need, really. Mm -hmm. And so interns are are really supposed to benefit the intern more than the company uh, that's bringing them on. And and I think we got better with that later on. Um <clears throat> Yeah, she was fantastic. Great. We brought her back a second summer. She is the luckiest kid in high school. We took her out of high school for a day to go shoot out of a helicopter. Out of a helicopter. Yes. I mean, like, how effing cool yeah. would that have been? Boy, does she owe us. Yeah. <laughs> so waiting. I think she she has, like, she works in Hollywood or something now. She's in L.A. L.A. She's working for a large podcast. Yeah, network. A network. Oh. Maybe that's how she can pay us back. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe we make sure she's listening to our little podcast here. <laughs> hey, uh, know anybody? Gosh, she was amazing, she right? Was, she, she was wow. the best intern slash employee slash contractor mm -hmm. we ever had. Whew, man, just wouldn't be where we were without her. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we'll send her this episode. <laughs> um, and and then I think our internship program evolved. Yeah, we did pursue an internship program. We we did, and and you know we learned a lot with the first go around with her. We brought her back her second summer, yeah. so her first summer out of college. Um, we brought her back, and she had a buddy. She had a buddy. They didn't know each other. No, but they both went to UNC. Yep. And uh, at that point, we had figured out that we wanted to um, give them a project, give our interns a project. Something to, to give them the opportunity to learn. So essentially what we did was they, they would, whether they were in pairs or whether they were you know individual interns, because we had both, um, basically the internship for a cement, one, it was fixed. I think one of the mistakes we made mm. with our first intern was that it was open-ended. And once she went off to college, it was, it was, and we should have seen this coming. Um, there was a real struggle to balance her new yeah. college, even though she was local, it was hard to balance that. And we should have just said, this is for the summer. And as soon as the summer is over, you go do college. And if you want to come back next summer, come back. So I think everyone after that was, was very much time bound. Um, and what we did was we gave them a project and their job was to come up with an idea for their project. Like pitch it. Pitch it to us like we were clients. Mm -hmm. um, we often, we I think always had questions and, and vetted that and, and forced them to go back and kind of revise their pitch. Um, we gave them a, a minimal budget. Mm -hmm. um, and then we basically said, now go make this thing. We are here to answer every question that you have. And give you resources. Yep. And give you whatever resources you need. Camera equipment will be on set for get you. get new ID, you can use our gear. You can <clears throat> use our labor. Labor, you know, and, and use our experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there were some times where they would go and they would disappear into that little office we had, like a little cave, and go work for three days straight and we wouldn't see them mm -hmm. and then there were other times where they would be sitting at the table with us and every time something came up they would just you know throw a question our <laughs> way but i think those worked very well yeah um the exchange was they also worked on our projects yeah minimally but they did yeah and they were there to give us a hand when we needed a hand mm -hmm. they were there on set with us to gain that experience but we wanted to give them the resources that they probably wouldn't have otherwise to create something because all of the intern um, uh, interns that were applying for us were production based mm -hmm. uh, until our last intern, and she was actually quite a refreshing. She's like an operations kind of. Yeah, she she said, "I want to I want to get into like project management and and like production, uh, like producing, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. not like being on set. Is that okay?" And we're like, "Whoa, hold on, that's interesting." Mm -hmm. Um, and so I we haven't gotten an internship request in a long time. No, we haven't. Well, we've gotten some, but I just uh, ignore them at this point. That's not nice. Well, <laughs> I mean, we don't really we're have not, an. In, I'm not. I'm not really interested in interns right now. We don't have an internship program at the moment. We're in a. We're in a. In an interesting in between, where uh, we'll get to that. We're big enough that you know. We could, but we're small enough that it would still be, you still gotta mm -hmm. give them a lot of resources and we're just so capped on capacity. So, you know, we'll get a little bit bigger and then we'll be freer to, uh, to have interns again at some point. So, so it started with the two of us. We brought moved, in some freelancers. Moved out of your apartment. Moved, yep, moved out of, and I think that's a big thing too, is if you're working from home, you really gotta be careful about who you have coming to your home office just 
mm-hmm. there needs to be an overabundance of caution there. So um, not that we were still working in, in my apartment at the time, but if we had been working in my apartment, we would never have hired a 17-year-old female yeah. intern. Um, because, yeah, you just got to be smart about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we had moved to co-working space at that time, and, and that was um, a safe space. And then we, we started bringing on full-time employees. I think what's interesting with our full-time employees, too, is we had Hamed for quite a while, and he was the perfect project manager for us, uh, slash account manager. And when he decided, when he got a better job and decided to move on. It wasn't just like that, to be quite fair. He was our project manager. And for about two months, we didn't have a project, an active project. Well, that's true. And so he thought, he wisely thought, I'm a project manager without any projects to manage. I should look for another job. Yeah. And we had never even once to each other or to ourselves said, we need to get rid of him. We were, we were keeping him out no matter what. We would have, you know, financed some some part of the company or something because we knew that as soon as we had our next project and they started rolling in, we would need him there. But then he. Well, and that was a seasonal time in our business that we now know is seasonal. Yeah. But that was only like the second year that we had not gotten that business in like late winter, early mm-hmm. spring. <clears throat> so now we know every December, January, February is kind of a lean time for us. Mm-hmm because we've gone through it five years. We didn't know it was a cycle at that point, and he did the right thing. He did yeah. the smart thing. He, he, he was looking out for himself, and it was, it was hard to have him go, but it was the right thing for him to do. Yeah, he made a lot of, he made a lot of strides after that. And our initial, uh, our initial thought was to replace him. You know, uh, several months later, when we had projects coming in, like we knew we would, um, our initial thought was to replace him, but very quickly we realized that maybe there was a different role that we needed more mm-hmm. at that point. And I think at that point it came down to us that it was about it was about media management and it was about editing. Because we were trying to produce a lot of our own content. Yeah. We were trying to roll out sort of a content plan. That was something that he was really big at. <laughs> that was something that Hamed had really pushed for us was our own content. And as soon as he left, we started creating our own content. <laughs> sorry, because <laughs> uh, I know he listens. Uh, so sorry for that. Um, and so I think it was a smart move of us to to not just try to replace him, but to really think about what where the biggest now? opportunity mm-hmm. was for us. What do we need the most help with? And we interviewed two of our freelancers to to kind of fill that role. And um, while we love both of them, one of them you know, through the interviews was really much more of what we needed Mm -hmm. uh, than the other one was. As much as we would love working with either one of them, it was very clear. We scheduled the interviews back to back. (laughs) And of course, the first one went over. And so the second guy showed up while the first guy was still here. So maybe don't do that when you're scheduling interviews. But um, it's funny. I'm forgetting who we didn't hire (laughs) again. (laughs) Again, if you don't end up working with us, Justin just forgets about you. It was Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that wouldn't have worked out. That that would have been really interesting given Visa stories. Um, So we hired Anthony Mm part-time to basically manage media and... To take our piles of To take all of our hard drives and projects that had been... He had actually done a project for us. Yeah, one or two. Where we asked as a freelancer to just organize our media. And we were getting to that volume and with enough freelancers that it was hard keeping track of what drives were out, 
Were they organized when they came back? All that kind of stuff. We, he had also edited for us before. So doing more of our own internal stuff, we knew it would be great to have an internal content editor. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, with organization, he helps set up yes. the structure of what our editing process looks like, how yep. drives and projects are structured, um, which is really, really important, yeah. especially when you're working with a lot of freelancers. Project files need to, to have the same folder taxonomy. That's No, that's a really good point. I mean, as you expand the, the number of people you're working with, you have to put certain rules in place, whether it's... And we haven't done a good job on like naming structure. We could get better about naming yeah. structure, but like you know, file naming and version naming, and every single one of our freelancers uses a different way to like say which version is this. And some mm-hmm. of them, it's very easy to tell. Some of them, it's not. But they are all different. Mm-hmm. But at least when they get a drive, it's all organized in exactly the same folders every time. Mm-hmm. And because that's what Anthony does, mm-hmm. um, and he has set that standard, <clears throat> and he makes sure that then when the drives come back that they're organized properly. Yep, organized and archived. And archived properly. So, um, and then, of course, anything that he's editing in-house is uh, including this podcast. I haven't, I've not looked at the pile of hard drives that we have. I haven't opened one up in in years. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't done, I haven't looked at a hard drive in years. If I need something, he'll put it on a little stick for me. Yes. And, And as anyone who's listening, as... You know, if you follow this this similar track, and if you're kind of a smaller company now or, or one man band, and and grow to a certain point, you're going to want to just have certain things that you don't have to think about anymore. And I think that's the thing is like Anthony's so organized, we, I suppose, assume that it's being handled, but we know that it's being that it's being organized and properly and archived properly. It's free now. And neither one of us have to spend any time thinking about that. Yep. And we also know that if a client calls and says, hey, can you pull up this whatever? We want to do it, a refresh to we it. We have it. We've got it. We know exactly where, or he knows exactly where Yeah, he knows exactly where it is. If you were sick or on vacation or something, I don't know like, what we would do. I guess yeah. we'd just have to wait for him to get back. Um, so shout out to Anthony. You think I'll leave that part in, or do you think I'll edit that out? <laughs> He's the kind of guy who would edit out <clears throat> his, own. his own shout out. Then, of course, we had the capacity where Anthony needed to come full-time. Mm-hmm. And we brought Anthony out full-time. Um, Editing a lot of our inter- of our own content. Yes. Because we were doing... Started sliding we were doing client projects to him. Video marketing unscripted at that point, which means that, you know, we had something coming out every week between mm-hmm. VMU and Press Play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, we were keeping him busy with that, and then we would, you know, with the right client projects, we would throw to him, too. So, I mean, he needed to be and full-time. He was managing and, media still with, yeah. with freelancers. And then David, right? No, we uh, we had a part timer in there in the middle. We we started to grow again, which you know this business is very yeah boom and bust. Uh, but we had a we were looking for another a, a part time project manager. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, there's a dog in here. Oh, yeah, Stella. Was our, was Stella our part time project manager? Uh, no, because no. she yeah she's um, a dog. So <laughs> so we needed a project manager. We didn't necessarily have anything budgeted, so. But we, but we, we, we do like we, an hourly. We found a way. We found a way to, to carve <clears throat> budget out of existing projects that we had. Um, so we were able to kind of account for it that way. And, a sales guy. Oh yeah, and we had a sales guy. <laughs> wow. Basically, the takeaway there is, 
we work full time for us and we'll remember with you. Yeah. Don't work full time for us and we will forget you so fast. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> we learned so we learned a lot about having part time that are essential like essential people part time doesn't work for us. Right. It may work for someone else. But but if you're listening because you're looking to not repeat the mistakes we made, here's why. Here's a mistake we made. <laughs> we hired a project manager who was remote and part-time. Mm-hmm. And she was fantastic. She she was referred to us by another small agency locally, and she was doing their project management part-time. Um, she did a great job and kept a great attitude even when we forced her to send out go videos with every weekly update that went out <laughs> to a client and did she it hated, kicking and screaming but she hated being on camera but she was a really good sport and and like everybody else who uses go video they hate it in the beginning and they get really really get good really good at it um, and you develop your style yeah fun fact of the day mm-hmm. right um we also had to twist our arm for that yeah so um i think what what and we kept her on for quite a while um and I think what we learned from that is one, what we see as a project manager is requires a lot of of things that are maybe outside of what people expect from a project manager. Yeah. Um, she and, was she was also oh you said remote sorry. Yeah. So part of what what we need just because of the the nature of how we currently work and and there's a transition period, so because we're in this one room. And even if we aren't all in the same email chains, like you just absorb you do. where everything is on every project at any given moment because there's conversation happening. Mm-hmm. And so the, the sheer nature of being in the room for us, for a project manager is a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somebody could do it part-time. I don't think the part-time is actually the bigger problem. I think somebody could do it part-time. They'd be better if it were full-time because they're gonna miss certain conversations. But you know, at least the way that we operate, a project manager needs to be someone who is intimately involved in every iteration and every update and every conversation. Um, they really need to, I mean, manage that project. Mm-hmm. They need to know everything that's going on. They need to be the one who's telling, I say us, but I always look at it as when it comes, so we do weekly updates with our clients. And that means that they get a rundown of basically what has happened over the last week since the last email and what's what's next. Mm-hmm. So it gives up us an opportunity to, um, you know, poke them if we're waiting on any feedback from them or any kind of decision from them. It also lets us update any schedules because you do the kickoff meeting and then people quickly lose that deck and forget what those dates are and whatever. And so then also that access to their to their drive folder. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a way every week to basically be like, all right, you know, here's what we did. Here's what we're waiting on. Here's what's next. Mm-hmm. And um, we use GoVideo to kind of personalize those so that people can just watch a two-minute video of us rattling off the bullet points that are. Or if somebody doesn't want to watch a video, then they can just read the email. All the information is there. So I, I think what we found, though, was that I would get sent a draft of those weekly updates uh, based on what our part-time remote project manager knew. I would then end up changing whatever to reflect the reality to of reflect the, the reality of the project, which was a shitty way to let the project manager know. By the way, this has happened since the last time we talked about this. Yeah, um, and it became more of a burden time-wise for me 
Whereas what I want in a in a project manager is someone who, when they're sending out those weekly updates, I'm just as much the audience as the clients. Mm-hmm. So that every week I know, hey, this thing's on track. This is where the client's laid on something. And, and I don't have to like keep track of mm-hmm. it. And, and right now, you and I are keeping track of all of that stuff. And, and you know, that's probably our next hire. And we've been saying this for a year, but interesting year. Um, is to get that person in who just, again, owns those relationships and owns those projects and brings us in when we need to be brought in and is just informing us of where things are and making sure that things get done. Um, We also had a part-time salesperson Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, I think we learned some interesting things from that also. Yeah. Um, You have to... You can't just... Especially with sales, you can't just send them on their way to do their thing there's a there's a an essential management component to having a salesperson yeah which is like and he was a very qualified salesperson very qualified probably overqualified for what we were well he was overqualified for for some things but also didn't quite sell uh uh didn't quite sell what we were trying to do we were starting to make a pivot in the company a little bit yeah so yeah what is it, 24, no, what, what is it, 2016, 17? Right now? No. <laughs> I know it's 20. Well, it's 2019 today, I know. Yeah. but it's 2020 <clears throat> when someone other than our Instagram Live listeners will be listening yeah. to this. So, But anyhow. but it, How's that it, for it, magic? In, in, in this time in our history, we are, going, we are making the, the change from production company we took a hard left <laughs> from production company onto strategy street. Yeah. And at the uh, detriment of production and thus inbound inquiries. Yeah. A lot of things uh, went wrong there. Uh, but we, we you know, brought the needle back a little bit. Since. Yeah. 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 But, but anyhow, we were trying, that's why we brought a salesperson on is because we had sold a couple of our first strategy, strategic engagements with clients and we said, great, productize this, get it out the door. That's your mission. Go yeah. sell this. Go sell spring. We didn't know how to sell it. Yeah. We're still figuring it out. And I think that I think that's the big thing too, is and this is something we didn't talk about when we talked about hiring, is you know, it's it's you're gonna be a better boss when you've done the job mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You still wanna look and then one, that's how you can identify people who do it better than you do. Yeah. Because you've done it and so you know what it takes and you can recognize when people are better at this or better suited for this than you are. Um, but it always helps from a management perspective to have been in that job. And so, you know, we we have always sold ourselves, but we didn't know how to sell that product that we were asking him to sell. And we asked him to just go out and sell it. I think and of- we wanted him to sell it a certain way mm-hmm. that is kind of a contrarian and way. And it was too. unproven. And and we set them up for failure, basically. I don't think that was a function of part-time uh, necessarily. No, no, you can do sales part-time, yeah. especially in this job. I barely yeah. do it. <laughs> it's been an interesting year. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's not, a, it's not the part-time thing. I also think... But you also have to be able to find... The, the principals can't always be the one leading a sale. Well, that's what I'm saying. Today, still, I think people are buying us as much as they're buying our product right and so we've we've got to be able to make that 
to 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 position the company as as the source of mm-hmm. our products and not from us because yep. it's not we we may lead projects or be a, a an integral part of them but we are just a part i mean there's a right. lot of people involved in this and well and again it's because the individual people who are doing the work are better at doing that individual work maybe than it we wasn't are. us always in front of cameras and microphones <laughs> yeah i but yeah maybe this is part of our job too though as, as a principal just yeah. to be the thought leadership yeah be the brains but and the face smarter that are than there. we are at a lot of things like what i can name i mean just like just, I, just I, pick I've got, one i've got a lot written down here just, just pick what's the what's the third one on that list <laughs> uh better dressing better at dressing that's true Is yeah himself I, no that's good i wouldn't put that first or second that'd be insulting <laughs> But the fact that you put it third, I, th- I think that I think that's a key point. He's also got the best hair in the office. Yes, but I wouldn't put that before like fifth or sixth. Yeah, because the other three of us basically have these large like pockets of hairlessness missing. Yeah, and David's just got a great a head fantastic of hair. Fantastic head mm-hmm. of hair. He also gets his hair cut like every week and a half or something. It just looks amazing. I think it just feels that way because all the rest of us go to the same barber. <laughs> And so it's not just him going, it's mm. like all of us going. You know, he always looks fresh. We should set appointments together, like back to back. I might start before. going to Jonica. There you go. There you go. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sales, it's a, it's a big part of. I, I mean, I, I feel like company. that's the. We've put a lot of work into that over the years. We've tried different things we've hired consultants we've hired consultants we've hired uh, part-time employees or contractors uh we still haven't figured it out um you know so i hopefully when we do this episode next year and we're celebrating our sixth or seventh maybe we've got something better to say about how we figured out how to take an agency like this and and sell it properly and put the right faces out there and put the right people out there doing the right Mm -hmm. things and uh, I mean, you and I have time on the calendar just to figure out how to bring me in properly. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's been a, a while since you've been involved evolution. in a sales conversation, yeah. really. Um, is he going to get more pairs? I don't know what he's doing, but this is the third time he's gone in and out of that door. Probably because I dropped his name in our sponsor's ad, which, he's probably speaking of our sponsor, mm. I'd like to thank our sponsor. Welcome to the Bumble, the world's largest network of Bumble profile consultants. Our collection of talented Bumble experts can help you pick the right profile picks. No more poses with a fish or other dead animal. Craft opening lines guaranteed to get a response. No more pancakes or waffles. And are also available for full-time employment doing content writing, SEO strategy, and resume editing. I feel like that's kind of a jab at David there, unfortunately. Um, welcome to the Bumble. Hire us and bring them to their knees. Knees. Contact your local rep now and ask about our cuffing season promotion in the triangle. That's Tucker Greg. Welcome to the Bumble. That impression was so on point that YouTube might pull us down for yeah. for using the Guns the N' Roses actual Guns N' Roses song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Be careful. Yeah, I, I, and it doesn't say sing this line. <clears throat> I just I was moved by the spirit on the second read through mm. to uh, to kind of do the, the singing version. Can you just say it just to see what it sounds like? Sure. Welcome to Bumble. Hire us and bring them to their knees. Knees. I like it that way. Yeah. We can, we both can, we, we can do both. That's okay. fine. We have both. Um, so, yeah, that was the um, 
20 last 20 years of my life that we talked about <laughs> the, I think I said a couple things in there these the, the eight years that we've known each other is that about right 11 yeah yeah eight years the eight years that we worked together the it's six years a, of storyboard media it's been a wonderful eight years <laughs> Come on, I'm Do you want me to put my hand on your hand right now? Yeah. Is, that, is, that, is that what this is? There it is. There, your hands are cold. Yeah, I like it. Yikes. Um, yeah, so a lot of stuff in there. Hopefully hopefully it doesn't come off as like just about us telling our story. I think yeah. there was enough in there that people can kind of pick out the lessons that pick out the lessons to them. and be like, all right, well, maybe I won't do that or yeah uh you know great i'm not the only one who feels that way or thinks that way yeah i mean if you particularly like this episode i'd love to to hear that was interesting and why um we haven't received any feedback on our podcast (laughs) we've received some just not through the feedback uh through the podcast like yeah channels yeah i get a decent amount of texts uh from a few key people um (laughs) but (laughs) um uh yeah so we appreciate you listening go ahead like subscribe comment because you know i'd rather see it on itunes than uh get it in a text although you can do both um uh yeah we're doing these on instagram live now so if if you like check us out at either 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on either tuesday wednesday or thursday (laughs) Uh, usually it's it's supposed to be 11 o'clock on tuesdays but oftentimes that doesn't happen um, so, you know, just always be watching Instagram and, and hop on and, and give us a watch. So you can see and hear all the pieces that get edited out from the final podcast, like that heartwarming hand touch that mm-hmm. just happened. Mm-hmm. Although I'm guessing Anthony leaves that in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my beard might have brushed against the No, my beard definitely. I definitely chinned this shotgun mic while I was leaning in to touch your mm-hmm. hand. <clears throat> so, all right. Well, that is episode... 19? Yeah. That, 19. That's episode 19. Um, now it's time for some outro banter, I suppose. Right. Uh, yeah, we're shooting right. our Christmas, uh, our holiday video. That's this right. Afternoon. If you're still here uh, live, today we are shooting a, a very, very uh, interesting dark Christmas card video. I am Matt. Um, oh, oh, we're being told to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Apparently. Well, I guess we're done oh, then. I suppose we're done. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I suppose you can just stop watching, but apparently <laughs> you can put in a comment and direct you must it's time for us to shut this. up. Uh, yeah. um, so, so uh, if, you, if you're listening to this outro banter and you haven't seen the Christmas video. Well, I imagine by the time the podcast is released, it will have gone viral. Well, oh, okay. Because that's what I asked for was a viral holiday for video. Christmas. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. I've been assured this will be a viral video. It will be. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sorry, I'm just trying to pretend to be a client. <clears throat> That's all I know about clients. They ask for viral videos. You should be more involved in the sales process. Or less. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, okay. I imagine... Uh, it's dropping. Uh, oh, we have a question here. Oh. Uh, yeah, let's open it up. All right, then. I live it you know what? The Instagram Live questions are a great way for That's Anthony just to fade us out here. That's a good point. Uh, when's it drop? It's probably drop mid next week. We're yeah. shooting it tonight. There's a kid in it. <laughs> uh, oh. And two 